we are speaking about the mind of Christ. And I remind you of 1 Corinthians 2.16, where Paul tells the Corinthians, as if there was any doubt about it, he says, we have the mind of Christ. We're not speaking of something we don't have. The question is, do we exercise what we have? Philippians 2.5 addresses the subject. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, indicating it's a choice. We, we can let this mind be in us, or we can uh, choose to disregard it. You know, I, I've discovered that there are people who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've been born again, but they're still so defeated, so grumpy, so unhappy, and they keep chasing after victories and, and, and hoping that God's going to do something, and they seem to never receive it. And I, I submit to you, uh, the reason could very well be a, a, an unrenewed mind. Let's read again the, the, the big scripture, even though there are hundreds that address the subject, but this is the big one, I submit. Romans 12, I beseech you, means I beg, I ask you, please, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So even to know God's good will and, and know what's acceptable to God, we need to have our mind renewed, Paul is saying here. And, and we've been talking about this now for a number of sessions. I've been talking about the uh, subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the left side of your brain, the right side of your brain. We were talking about, uh, you know, taking this scripture that I just read almost word by word. But today, I want to take the word renew, R-E-N-E-W, and I, I want to speak of five considerations. In fact, I'm speaking about the process of change or the aspects of change. You know, there is a process. It's like when you renovate a house, there's a process. One of the things I hear Pastor Nathan is telling me lately that he has uh, been helping out the last few years changing diapers. And that him, him telling me that brought back memories that I did a lot of changing of diapers when I had small children. You know, if you, so that's maybe even more common than a renovation. Well, what you got to do when you change a diaper, and, and Pastor Nathan can confirm whether I'm on track or not, but you got to got to remove the old. Get rid of the old. Then you've got to clean up the situation. And at least in my day, we used some powder and some other things there to, uh, uh, to, to make it all nice. And then you put on the new. And that's a little bit how it is with the renewing of your mind. You've got to kind of clean out the old, you know, get rid of it. And then kind of, when you clean it up, put a little powder, a little ointment there. I suppose that could be a picture of the Holy Spirit helping the person. And then begin to walk in newness of life. Uh, you know, change our thinking. And many don't do this. You know, studies indicate that 80% of remarried people, they have the same problem with their new partners, just like they are yelling at a person with a different name. <laughs> you know, you can change your spouse, you can change your church, you can change the country you live in, you can change your prof profession, but if the mind isn't changed, that unrenewed mind it remains there. One study said in the area of finances that uh, people who won 
big lottery winnings. I'm talking about millions of dollars, not, not little ones. After 20 years, 90% of them were as poor as before they had ever won. It has to do with the way we think. And so we, we look at that, R-E-N-E-W. And so I said in our last session, R stands for replace. We talked about Gideon. You know, he was in his own thinking. He was saying, oh, I, I'm, the, I'm the least. I can't do anything. I'm so small. And then God comes and says to him, you're a mighty man of courage. And at first Gideon protests, but something must have happened. Something, some kind of a revolution in his mind, and he accepted that what God said about him is true. We talked about one example being David, the king, at a very tragic time in his life when Absalom, his son, was trying to kill him, and the whole nation almost, almost, not everybody, but, but the majority had turned against David, and he was surrounding, they wanted to kill him, and that's when it is believed that he wrote Psalm 23. He says, oh, you prepare for me a table. I'm sitting beside still waters. God is my shepherd. My cup runs over. So he, he replaced the negative surroundings. Everywhere he looked, there was negativity. But he said, I'm going to replace that with a picture of still waters and an abundant buffet table. And my cup is running over because God is my shepherd. And, and, and that's a part of renewing our mind. And that's what we are. I recognize that many people have had great attacks on their mind. And, and we, we are working with you, asking the Holy Spirit to help us to speak prophetically into your life, and you receive that and then put the practice. Well, uh, that was, uh, to cover this in, in, in our last session, I say that E stands for enunciate. Enunciate means to speak something clearly and specifically proclaim it. Not just generalities, you know. Sometimes Christians have general, generalities, you know, I'm blessed. God is good, hallelujah, you know, we praise the Lord, but, but specifically speaking his blessing. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we believe, therefore we speak. So something happened, we see something in, in our heart from God, and, and our mind embraces that, and then we speak it, that's natural, that comes from God. Romans 4.17 said, God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God speaks positive. So if you, anybody want to be critical and say, but I don't, should we just say things or speak things? No, God spoke things into being. This is the nature of our Heavenly Father. And you know, there was an attack on Jesus' mind. You remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan? The voice of his father echoed, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But then there came an attack on that. Jesus, just a few days later, was in the wilderness tempted. It says, Matthew 4, verse 3 says, The tempter said, If you are the son of God, command these stones to be bred. That was the mental attack. The father had said, You are my beloved son. And the tempter says, well, maybe you're not. If you are, if, underline if, then do this. In other words, try to prove yourself. 
And of course, Jesus then answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is declaring, saying, I'm not of the same kingdom as you, Mr. Tempter. I'm not on the same economy as you. And so I'm not going to walk down that road. But, but the attacks keep coming. You may have noticed that in your life. Maybe there was some attack on your mind that, you know, if God really loves you, if you really are a Christian who's been born of the Spirit, and then, you know, fill in the blanks yourself, and, 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 and the questions come to cause self-doubt, so they continued for Jesus. He said in verse 6, the tempter said, if you, if you are the Son of God, if, then throw yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. And then the tempter quotes the Bible. You know, sometimes people can twist the Bible. If people don't understand that Jesus Christ himself is the fulfillment of the Bible, that he is the, he, he, he's, he's above the Bible. The Bible is not above Jesus, but Jesus is above the Bible. But here, here the tempter says, it is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Well, Jesus responded, and he says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What Jesus is saying here, I have no need of self-exaltation. I have no need to jump off any pinnacle to make a show of trying to prove that I am who the Heavenly Father said I am. So Jesus is our example here. He's operating in a renewed mind. And so, you see, we have no need to prove ourselves. Our identity is in Christ. (laughs) And and so we say it is written. If anybody is in Christ Jesus, that person is a new creation. So so these contrary voices come. Learn to enunciate who you are in Jesus and who Jesus Christ is. Speak to the mountain. That's, you know... I was going to go into it, but I have so much to cover. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Many of you know that, and if you don't know that verse, look it up. I don't have time to to get into it right now. Uh, But just to say, it says that faith in your heart gives you such assurance that you will speak to the mountain. Watch your tongue. Guard your words. You know, I like to speak regarding the gospel. I like to speak proclamations that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in spite of whatever it looks like politically, that gospel, that good news is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I speak over the Toronto Celebration Church that we are going to come out of this strong, healthy, strong spiritually, strong in outreach, strong financially, I speak over what we call our VIP family. That's all those people who are involved in in supporting and helping us around the world to do everything that we're doing to take the gospel to those who have never heard it. I I speak God's blessing over you. Well, you say, you're just doing that because... You know, you want people to give money to your to, to World Impact Ministries and what you do around the world? No, I, I got to have a much stronger foundation in that. I say it because Jesus said, whoever is committed to his sake 
and the gospel's sake, that person will receive maximum yield. So that's why I speak, whether it's over the people who are a part of the Toronto Celebration Church or our worldwide uh, VIP family, World Impact Ministries family, on the basis of what Jesus said. I speak that. Enunciate it. Well, let me hurry. N, I say, stands for new imagination. You know, in the, in the Hebrew meaning of the word imagine, there is the concept of to conceive something. It is the structure of thoughts. You know, it says in one place when they were building that great tower, uh, which wasn't really God's will, but yet it says there in, in Genesis eleven six, nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So never say that humans will never do this or do that. No, the Bible says that our imagination is very powerful. It can be used for the negative or the positive, but the renewing of the mind affects our imagination. You know, because remember, the mind became darkened. We talk about that, how the mind became darkened in one of our first studies. It says in Romans 1.21, they became vain in their imagination. The word vain means non-productive. And, and if you look at the context there of Romans 1, it describes a regression, if you wish. It says that the people did not glorify God. Uh, the word glorify means to, to make great. It's not that we make God greater. God is God, and you can't make God greater. But we allow God to be seen greater to us. The people didn't do that. They didn't glorify God. And it says they were not thankful. That makes sense. If you don't think God is so big and powerful, why should you be thankful to God? But then Paul said, it caused them to have a vain imagination, an unproductive imagination, idle thoughts. Now, let's turn that around to make it positive. Let's not talk about regress. Let's talk about progress. I would say, here is how it happens, how the mind is renewed. We glorify God, no matter what the circumstances. We see how great God is, how great His love is. And the more we see that, we become thankful. That's natural. If you see that God is so awesome, you say, well, I'm so thankful to God. And then that leads to a positive imagination. See, you have an imagination. Everybody has imagination. Let it work for you, not against you. And, and you see, often our imagination is a byproduct of what we focus on. But whatever our mind is, is focused on, and we can make that decision, how are we going to focus our mind? You know, everything we do is conceived first in our imagination. All the plans, if you go on a vacation, uh, it's in your mind first. You envision it. You start a business. You envision it. Marriage. You envision yourself with that other person. You're doing some renovations in your house. A lot of people I hear, according to what the news are reporting, have been doing that. Well, you envision it. In your mind, you see something. You may then have to get an architect that makes it more of a formal proposal, but, but you see something. And it's so very important because it affects you. And, and, and if God is big, then your imagination will be positive and God blessed. You know, our memory and how we choose to remember things. You know, some people, you, you can blot out positive things and you just kind of revel in the negative. The amazing thing, Catch this. 
when David sinned with Bathsheba, which was a dreadful sin, when, when, when then Naaman comes, uh, or Nathan, not Naaman, Nathan comes, the prophet, and I should remember, it's the same name as our pastor here. He comes to rebuke him, and God speaks to David. And, and God says, David, did you forget who you are? Did you forget that I anointed you? I delivered you from Saul. I, I made you king. Uh, and if that was too little for you, I would have done more. So rather than just rebuking, there was a rebuke, of course, over David's sin. But rather, he says, don't you remember who you are? In other words, people can do stupid things when they don't remember and no longer imagine who they really are. You know, and one time Jesus' disciples, they were worried about food. And Jesus says, have you lost your mind? He didn't say exactly those words, but he said that in effect. I said, don't you remember? I fed the 5,000 and now you're worried about food. You know, I, I used to listen many years ago to a, the pastor of the world's largest church, Pastor Jong Cho from Korea, and he would always tell, you know, I heard him tell this story, I can't count how many times, how he was a young pastor, and, 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 and he thought living there in Seoul, Korea, it was a big city even then, he said he needed a bicycle, but he didn't have any money to buy a bicycle, so he was praying, and he said, I would like to have a desk. He's, he had seen some picture of what he thought was a big-time preacher, he had a desk. And he had a chair. He says, I like to have a, a desk and a chair and then a bicycle so I can go and visit people. And then he always told the story in the ways I remember it because I heard it so many times. You know, after six months, nothing happened. And God began to speak to him. Imagine it more. What, what kind of bicycle do you want? So he said, I want an American bicycle. What kind of desk do you want? And he discerned he wanted a Philippine mahogany desk. Desk. What kind of chair? Well, he wanted one with, with wheels so he could kind of push himself around. And then how he received that. The principle was he was rehearsing positive imagination. You know, I like to do that. I like to rehearse how Jesus saved me and how he blessed me, rehearse God's victories. People who travel with me around the world, they probably get tired of hearing me say this. I say it almost every night. I, I, I rehearse that one day in India many years ago when Jesus said to me that preach my gospel, and if you will believe it, the people will believe it. And then Jesus said, you don't have to touch the people. I will touch them. I tell that story. I'm sure people hear me tell me, what is it? I tell that all the time. I'm doing it for my sake. I'm not saying it's so much for the audience's sake. I'm rehearsing what God has done. I'm rehearsing God's blessing. Look at that verse again, Romans 1.21. They became vain in their imagination. They became non-productive. Vanity means non-productive. They had vain fantasies and pictures in their mind. You know, we think in pictures, don't we? If I say the word apple, well, I don't know whether you're thinking about a computer or, or a fruit, but if I say green apple, you're thinking about a fruit. Then I say red apple, and then I say rotten apple, and then I say apple computer. You know, every one time I said those words, a different image came in your mind. If I then say another word, mouse, you may be thinking about a little critter that you saw in your basement, or you may be thinking about that little tool that works with your computer. You know, we, we don't see the letter. We don't see the spelling of the letter. Apple, A-P-P-L-E. No, we, we see a picture. See, that's the way we say a picture is worth a thousand words. Sometimes when we talked about the subconscious mind, it stores pictures 
And then people retrieve facts. Sometimes they can do it in, in a way that's very negative. And sometimes it can be positive from that subconscious mind. And so, so again here, Romans 1 is about the, the people saw God so small. They saw God so insignificant. And they became unthankful. And there was a negative imagination, negative outcome. You know, that's like in Psalm 78 where the people said, can God do this? Oh, God can't supply our need. God can't meet our need. You know, there's been an attack on many minds where people have, God looks so small. But, but you can make that progressive. You say, God is so big, I'm so thankful. And, and suddenly your imagination is positive. There's a positive outcome. As if, when, when young David saw Goliath, he said, my God is bigger than that foul-mouthed Philistine. You see, we can affect our minds. Some people don't feel responsible for their imagination. But you know, we are. We can refuse thoughts, we can take thoughts, or we can refuse thoughts. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I worked so much my whole life among pastors. And sometimes pastors have a problem uh, that they imagine that people are against them, you know, because somebody doesn't smile at them or something, they think they're mad at them. And I, I don't believe that because, uh, you know, I say, if you have anything against me, you better tell me because I refuse to speculate because you look miserable. So, so but uh, I know I'm not inviting any negative comments. But you see, I, I'm saying... It, People can conjure up all these negative imaginations. Let, let me give you a few examples from Scripture. Genesis 6, 5 says, Every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. That was a time of history. Every construction, the way that they conceived things, was just evil. Could that happen today? Good. And then after the Israelites had come out of Egypt, you have all kinds of negative scenarios in, in the wilderness. Let, let me read a few of them. Exodus 16, all that we had died in Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full, you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us with hunger. And the next chapter, you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. Numbers 11 says, we remember the fish. In Egypt, they don't remember that they were slaves, that they killed the firstborn. They remember the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except that is loathsome manna. And I say in the next chapter, if only we had died in Egypt. Oh, if only we had died in this wilderness. Now they're right on the border to the promised land and they're still wishing for death. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? You know, they're blaming God. Say, God had all this plan. He was trying to destroy us. What, what you have here, to not sound like I'm just using a jargon, but, but, but God got the people out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of their mind. At least they didn't cooperate with that. They still had that negative imagination. You know, when I read that, I think about people who have negative imaginations of God today. And that's why we have such a vision for the gospel. We want to change how church members think about God. Because even some church members have a very negative view of God. Just like the Israelites. Now, of course, the result is they all died in the wilderness. They died. They didn't make it to the promised land. So I'll say a, a new imagination. Visualize. 
Third John, God wants me to prosper and be in health as my soul prospers. Visualize God's blessing. I, that's what I'm doing. I, I fantasize. I visualize a blessing upon you. I want you blessed. I want you prospering. Every one of you, whether you're a part of this church, of the Toronto Celebration Church, or part of our VIP family of people who support our gospel advancement endeavors all over the world, I'm believing for you. I'm visualizing because I'm basing that on the Scripture. This is what God promises. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Okay, I better hurry. The letter E for enlarge, enlarge. Now, when your mind is renewed... You have a new capacity. I put three expressions. Read, study, and associate with wise people. Those are three good things if you want to enlarge. Uh, read and then study. It's not quite the same thing. You know, you can, reading is more casual. Study is more disciplined, more formal. And then associate with wise people. You see, your mind is like an intellectual muscle. It is a muscle you have in your brain. And part of being a strong Christian, simply put, is being a reader. Read. You know, when the Methodist revival started, uh, John Wesley told all the preachers that if you want to be a preacher, you have to read. There were so many books a week they had to read. Uh, it is reading the Bible. And, and now, if, if people are illiterate, that's, that's okay. They can still be good Christians. But, but part of the Christian life is being a reader. You know, when it comes to study, you know that Christians built Oxford University, Cambridge, Yale, Princeton. You know, when Harvard University, the famous, maybe the world's most famous university, was, uh, it began in 1636, it, it said right on the first building there, in Christi Glorium, for Christ's glory. And so I encourage people to study. You, you know, the renewing of the mind is not just so we go around and, and, and say nice Christian cliches, but you expand. And associate with wise people. I said, read, study, associate with wise people. Somebody said, if you want to soar with eagles, don't hang with turkeys. That's why we want you to come back to Sunday church. <laughs> because when you listen to uh, Pastor Nathan and myself preach, you're going to be, we, we always bring something stimulating. We, we, we believe we speak to your spirit, but we also speak to your whole being. We want you to flex your muscle. Uh, to grow, to have a greater capacity. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companions of fools will be destroyed. You hang around negative people, you're going to be negative yourself. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, sometimes people say, Well, you know, my, my child is such a good kid, he's just uh, got, got in with the wrong crowd. Well, maybe... Other parents of kids in that crowd are saying that referring to your child. They wish they wouldn't hang around your child. You know, let's, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings if, if your kid is going down the wrong direction, but I'm saying we are all responsible. Talk about it. You have capacity to talk to your family. You have a capacity to talk to your teenage children, to your younger children. You're, you're, you're the leader. God has anointed you. So, so let me ask you, as I'm hurrying through this part of it, what is the area where you, with God, can enlarge your capacity? What is the spiritual area? What is the social area? What is the academic area? Think about it. And then finally, W. I gave that a double heading. Walk wisely. <laughs> you know, you've received wisdom. If anybody asks for wisdom, God gives it. And Christ has become to us wisdom. See, sometimes 
we, we think that my mind is renewed, so now I just pray and God answers my prayer like a magic wand. Now, God can do great things, but you know, one of the biggest answers to prayer is God's wisdom. Sometimes we just, we do a whole bunch of stupid things, and then we are in a mess, and we're financially, whatever, people say, pray for me, and they just want a magic solution. Take it all uh, away, and then they might go and do the same stupid thing again the next day. But you know, God gives you wisdom so that you can make smart decisions. You can walk wisely. Your mind is renewed to know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you begin to set new goals. You know, we are created to be goal seekers. One day ahead, you know, one day goals, maybe not, that's not the best maybe, but a month long or one year, five year, 10 years. I, I have a five year goal. I have it on my computer. I haven't shown it to anybody. Well, my wife, Tanya, has seen it. And, and, and I thought, well, I know what the date I wrote it, so where do I want to be in five years? And, you know, without goals, we are aimless, unhappy. We're like a ship without a rudder. You know, the goals are like a thermostat. If you, if you don't set your thermostat, your house will go to zero in, in the winter. Well, it's like, like our life. If we have no goals, if we have no thermostat set, well, our life goes into freezing. And I say, start now. There's a now principle. People say, well, I'm going to take a step when I get that new house, when I move, when I get another job, when I retire, when I have more money. Start now. People say that something's about giving to God, about, you know, tithing or giving offerings. They say, oh, you know, someday I'm going to be a millionaire. Oh, wait for me. No, you know, it doesn't happen that way. Start now. Start, chances are, if you, if you can't give a dollar, you probably can never give 10. And if you can't give 10, you can't give 100, and so on and so forth. Paul was a goal setter. You read the Bible, he said, we're going here, we're doing this, we're heading in this direction, and, and I'm going to send you over here, and, and I'm going to come to you when I'm on my way somewhere else. You know, you know, don't let life happen to you. Make yourself happen to life. I, I call it smart goals. And you, we need the Holy Spirit to help us with this. Smart, and, and I give it to you, smart means specific, S for specific. Don't just say, God, I have a goal to be blessed. How? Make it measurable. M for measurable. Giver. Say, I want to be a giver. What does that mean? Set a specific goal. I want to give this much to advance the gospel. Have an action plan daily, weekly, annually. Check out. Make it realistic. Uh, you, you know, some people say, I, mean, I talk about giving, now they say, oh, I want to give a million dollars. I say, can you give a hundred? Or they say, I want to win a thousand people to the Lord. Can you, can you win one? Oh, I want to start a business. It's going to be the next Amazon. Well, go and work for somebody else who has a good business and learn something first. And then make it time sensitive. Well, whatever it is. You know, God lives in eternity, but, 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 but in the Bible you have three years, one year, 40 days, 40 years. So renew our mind. I hope this helped you. R stands for replace thoughts. E for enunciate. N for new imagination. E for enlarge your capacity. And W for walk wisely. And all this is possible because of the new life in Christ. Would you like to receive that? Because once you are born of God, born again, you can see God's kingdom and step into the operation.